Well, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful that you have brought us into your presence. And thank you that this day, um, just like we've seen in the video, that Lord, we remember men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice with their lives. Thank you for this great nation because, God, this nation was built and founded upon the principles of you. In God we trust. One nation under God. And God, we know that the freedoms that we enjoy in this country are not just really free, but because men and women have fought for this nation. And God, we remember them, and we remember their families, and we thank you for how you've used them. And God, I even pray that this nation shall not forget its foundation, that God, we shall not move away from where we began, that this nation will stand strong. And the men and the women that are seated in this place this morning shall one day be memorized for how they changed their communities, they changed their societies, because they did not love their lives even unto death. So Jesus, would you do something powerful in this place this morning? And would you be glorified uh, for everything that you are? And thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we get to enjoy. We pray that, Father, we can use these freedoms wisely and redeem the times. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And all of God's children shall say, Amen. Good morning. How are we doing? It's good to see everybody here. Is anybody breathing out there? Huh? It's quiet. Don't make me go crazy on you this morning, huh? You know, I'm from Africa and, you know, I can get a little crazy. I might just go Lion King on you. You know, or if you don't respond to that, then I'm going to go gospel on you and praise God. I'm going to read about the book of, you know. So if you guys don't respond, I'm going to just get a little crazy on you. But my name is Christian. Um, I'm on staff at Mariner's Church. I've been for the last uh, four years. And um, I'm in outreach department. Um, uh, my role is global engagement, so our partnerships with all our global partners. And I've really enjoyed and thank God for that opportunity that I've had to be here. I've been received and loved and cared for. Uh, I know this is my second time here. And the last time I was here, we were just telling you about how, um, you know, I had... My wife and I were expecting a baby, and the baby is now here, three months, beautiful little kid. Um, and thank God, we really thank God for that. So this morning is actually an interesting morning because um, as we get into the Word, yeah, there's the little tiny one. Look how cute she is. She's white. So I'm still asking that question, you know. Thankfully, she has my nose, otherwise the jury would have been out. But... Um, yeah, she's a joy and a, and a beautiful joy, and my wife Delta is over there. So, um, This morning is an interesting morning because uh, it's one of those mornings that in this message, if you guys actually feel free to sleep, you know, if you want to sleep, just fall asleep because we're going to be talking about rest and the Sabbath. And I was thinking about it myself, and I think I was telling some people in the office, I was saying that this is one of those messages that I feel so uncomfortable with that I might just get up here and sleep for 30 minutes and kind of use that as a sermon illustration. So if today, if you feel, just feel very comfortable falling asleep, if you snore, bless you, we'll believe that you're speaking in tongues, we just don't understand. <laughs> so do not worry or do not fret about any of that. Um, but you see, I don't know how many of you this morning, when you woke up, thought, by show of hands, how many of you, of you thought, I need more sleep? I, look, oh my gosh, 70% of the room. I know I'm one of those people that I thought this morning when I woke up, I was like, this is not enough rest. I need 
to I need more sleep. You see, we live in a world that is restless, a restless world where we're busy, we're moving, and this kind of restlessness that creates this phonetic energy that we're just all the time busy. You see, we put more premiums on busyness, on work, on effort, and on achievement. That's what we hold high in high regard. And things like rest or sleep are kind of looked down upon. Now, all you have to do is to watch TV. Just watch all the ads on the TV. You know, a lot of ads on the TV are talking about production, um, more energy, uh, more effort, more, you know, and I'm not just talking about Viagra. I'm talking about things like, <laughs> talking about things like five-hour energy, you know? And all these are things that kind of try and help you, you know, be more productive. That's what we see. You see, even sleeping pills, nowadays, the way they talk about them is about, is saying, sleep so that you can have more productivity or it's about work it's about doing it's about getting things done some medical researchers showed and said that 70 to 90 percent of family doctor visits are stress related 70 to 90 percent are stress related now why i told you that this message is actually really tough and hard for me because usually when you're giving a message you'd think that you know you would get a glimpse or a glance of, you know, you at least have some understanding. This is one that I'm totally at fault. I'm on the other side that this message is actually for me. Let me, let me show you what I mean by that. Um, I've got a picture of my schedule from just one day. I was not bold enough to show you the whole week. This is my schedule for Tuesday, this last Tuesday. I had back-to-back -back meetings from 8.30 to about almost 4.30. I was in a meeting after a meeting after another. You see, my schedule does not even have room for me to get from one meeting to the other. I think I'm superhuman, that I'm going to get there in some superhuman way without even giving myself a break to even think about what I went through. And in those, all these meetings, I found myself in a place where I was losing energy, I, I was tired, and I was wiped out. And then I have to go home to this beautiful, wonderful little baby that we have, and of course you know how that goes energy and energy. We don't even create margins. That was my schedule. If that is my schedule, I'm just talking to myself. I need rest. I have no place and no margin. So on Friday when I walked into my boss's office, my first question was, Robin, how do you do it? Because I cannot understand how I'm being able, I cannot do this, I cannot sustain this. And Robin, being um, a very smart woman, she turns to me and says, you know, your schedule determines your pace. And I realized that I have created no margins, I have had no place for planning, and I have no place for responding. And so I'm dropping balls, I'm tired. When I get home, I cannot even be truly there for my family. I don't know, I don't know how many of you are going through that because that's the condition of my life right now. So this message is more for me than any of you. And you see, technology doesn't help. I was sitting in my office uh, the other day, and all of a sudden, at the same time, the computer, the iPad, and the phone reminded me to be somewhere. So technology doesn't help you. You know, I'm going like, do I need three reminders from three different gadgets? You know, and this, we find that we are in a desperately broken place. Dan Allender says, we love to tell others about how much we work and how tired we are. It's kind of like it's a good thing. You know, I'm so tired, I've been so busy, and people look at you, oh, that's so cool. 
that if you walked up to somebody and said, hey, how are you doing, brother? And they go like, oh, I'm so rested. I've been okay. You'd go like, what's wrong with you? Which world are you living in? You know? And that's how we are. You see, human beings need not only physical rest, but we are also spiritual beings, and so we need spiritual rest for our souls. Rest from a restless world. You see, sin, when sin entered into the world, we got into this cosmic um, unrest where the shalom and the peace was broken. And so we move and we move and we move and we move more and more. And Jesus dies so that we may enter God's rest. When we delight in his rest, that's when we find our full self. And we're going to see what the Sabbath or what rest is. We're going to see what it means. And we're also going to look at how we can receive it. So let us look at it from the Word of God because that's the best place to look at. Genesis 2, uh, 1 to 4. Now, I know you don't have the scriptures up there, so if you want to grab a Bible, just feel free, go there, grab a Bible. If you're sleeping, just keep sleeping. Don't worry, you're allowed to do that too. Um, Genesis 2, 1 to 4 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their entire vast array. By the seventh day, I like that, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished, note that word, finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then he blessed the seventh day and made it holy, set it apart, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Friends, the first thing that God does, the first thing that that God declares holy is time. The first thing that God declares holy is time. The Sabbath was one of the main identifiers of the Jewish community um, uh, as them belonging to Yahweh. This is how you identify that as belonging to Yahweh. You see, the Sabbath was so important in the Jewish understanding, the Jewish understanding of the Bible, that all other days were not named independently. They were actually named in where they fall in accordance to the Sabbath. So, for example, Sunday is the day after Sabbath. Monday is two days after Sabbath, and so on and so forth very significant and we read there that it God completed and the completion therein means that there's nothing else to form or to fill and there's no counterpart to this day you see when we stop working we acknowledge that everything we were supposed to do is now done when we stop working we acknowledge that everything that we're supposed to do is now done. But really, do we do that even on days like Sunday or the time that you have your Sabbath? What do you do? You're usually planning or thinking about other things or other days. We never get to the point where we can actually stop. So, what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a time to seize. The Sabbath is a time that we set apart, that is set apart. And the Sabbath is a time to remember or actually what I'd look at from an African perspective, I'd say celebrate. And so we're going to look at that. The first is to seize, a time to seize. You see, each of the days of creation, in Genesis 1 we read about creation, and each and every day had a complementary pair. So day one, light and darkness. Day two, sky and earth. Day three, land and plants. And these were actually called the forming days. And then day four, we had the sun and the moon. And then day five, the fish and the birds. The day six, we have the animals and the humans. And these days were known as the filling days. Then, Sabbath walks in. And you see, each of these days follows the same pattern linguistically. For there was day and there was night. When God created them, he said they were good. When he created man, he said it was very good. All in the same pattern. But on the seventh day, 
he breaks that pattern. All of a sudden, it's not a complementary prayer. It's a day that is set apart on its own. And he says, I've made this day holy. There was nothing that was undone. The idea of nothing being needed is what we know as shalom or perfect peace. To set aside part of our lives for resting means that we're saying no to any more work, productivity, and results. We have to stop. The biblical word for this is contentment. Think about it. How content are we? How content are you this morning? To the point where you can stop and actually change the rhythms of your day. Sabbath is a time to completely change the rhythm. You are going in one direction, and all of a sudden you go to the other direction. Everything stops. Sabbath was also set apart. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do no, you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your sons, daughters, your male uh, or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, but the seventh day he rested. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, this was set apart, not just set apart, not just for you, but for your family. And they went as far as describing it, set apart even for your slaves or people who work for you, the animals. It was just, a, it was a, a caution against exploitation so that there was no one who could be exploited on Sabbath. And no debts could be repaid. You could not try and figure them out or try and work them off. Nothing. Everything was set apart for that day. You see, Sabbath is an amnesty from having to worry about bill collectors, creditors, and bosses. On the Sabbath, we stop, set apart, and stop worrying about all that we have to worry about in our daily mundane lives. Sabbath is a time to also celebrate, to remember you see, Jesus enters this unrestful world so that he can help us enter into God's eternal rest. You see, God appointed, this is God's appointed holiday for us to celebrate and to have refreshment. Think about this for a minute. Memorial weekend, I don't know what you guys are doing tomorrow, but, you know, guys love those times. You know, 4th of July, we get together, we celebrate. And these are government-appointed holidays. We love those so much. But when it comes to the Sabbath, which is a God-appointed holiday, we kind of like blow that off. We know how to celebrate Memorial Weekend. We know how to celebrate President's Weekend. We know how to pre present uh, to, to, to rest on groundhogs, dogs, cows, goats, <laughs> day, whatever they call it, you know. But the day that God set apart and he said it to be holy, we do not even know how to hold that. We kind of blow past that. It's a time to stop. It's a time that has been set apart. It's a time to remember and reflect on what God did and what he has done. And so we can continue. So why do we need it? Why do we need Sabbath? May I suggest to you that we are overworked? Just simple as that, you know. We are overworked. Just think about your schedule. Think about your life. We are overworked. Why do we need it? Because we need to stop and remember all that God has done. Why do we need it? Because we declare, when we stop, we declare that God is God and we are not. He's on the throne of our kingdoms and not us. See, when we don't, we're declaring ourselves as the Lord of our days. You see, 
Our culture is about production. We are created for good works, but we must set them down. I know last week we were talking about working, but your work cannot be your identity. We must set it down because we are an overworked culture. We work and we are dehumanized and it enslaves us. We get physically tired and we have no time to be repaired. We feel guilty and ashamed. These are some of the things that I sometimes feel bad about because I'll be home and I'm trying to rest or relax and in a certain way, I kind of feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. We're guilted by it. Sabbath is a time to remember. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Because you were slaves in Egypt, because each and every one of us was a slave to sin, and God did not leave us there. He brought his children out and he sent Jesus to save us. Then we stop and we remember. I've got um, some photo albums from many years ago when I was in India, in Kenya, um, you know, just my life. And there's sometimes when I stop and I look at them and it kind of refreshes me because it reminds me of places that I've been. It reminds me of when I look at our, many times Delta will walk into the house and I'm watching our wedding video. Because it reminds me why I got married. You know, sometimes I forget. You know, you just go like, you're upset, you're angry. So I have to sit there and remember, oh, what a blissful day. Wonderful day. You see, and it refreshes me that at a time when I'm feeling like I've just been, I'm not understanding this whole concept of marriage, when I stop and remember and reflect, then it kind of refreshes me. You see, that's what happens when we stop and remember what God did for us then it refreshes us. It's not just getting into some activity, but stopping to remember of what he has done. And you see, it's not just about stopping and remembering. There's a second part to it. There's a part of knowing and realizing that Christ has already gotten salvation for you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it, which is what we call the indicative tense, you know, where he has already done it. But because he's already done it, then we get into the imperative where we then do what has been done to us. He saved us, and so he loved us, and so we love. He gave us grace, so we give grace. He forgave us, so we forgive. He created, so we become co-creators. They set apart, and we join him in what he's doing. If he rested, if God rested, not because he was tired, but because he was satisfied with what he created. It, we also get to mimic that. We don't rest. When we don't rest, we don't become content. So friends, I'd urge you this morning to fight against that inner voice of reproach that makes you want to go faster, harder, produce more. But stop and remember what he has already done. Whenever we... Why we need to rest is because we need to declare who God is. Look at what it says in Matthew 12, verse 1, and I'm going to read till verse 9. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the, grains, the, the grain fields on Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw them, they said, you know, I was wondering, why were the Pharisees just even out there looking at them walking around the grain fields, you know? Look, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read that, that what, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. 
Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the, temp- in the temple uh, desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here, which is him. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You see... The Sabbath was held in high regard by the Jews. But by the time of Jesus, it had become this thing about legalism and, you know, just becoming um, legalistic about it. It it was actually punishable by death. And so all they did is just watch around and say, you're not observing the Sabbath, not understanding the true meaning of Sabbath. And this is what Jesus is talking about. You see, when the Jews observed the Sabbath, what they were saying is that they did not participate in the marketplace. It was costly to them. It costed them. They did not participate in the marketplace. It was so bad that the Gentiles would actually attack the Jews on Sabbath because they knew that the Jews would not retaliate. They actually had to make a provision for them to say that you can defend yourself during Sabbath because the Jews had taken this so seriously as... Uh, they are taking it so seriously. It was a matter of counter... They were making a countercultural statement. They were saying that our God is enough and he has provided everything we need. They're declaring who God is. You see, Jesus at this time, when he has this uh, contention with the Pharisees, he is reorienting the importance of Sabbath as means of grace from God, not for us to become legalistic about it, or to worry about when it's supposed to be, or the time. It was because to remember the grace of God upon our lives. You see, we fight against simple moralism, not just about doing a good deed, but the case of good news, the gospel, that a good God created everything good. We messed it up, but he did not leave us there. He sent his son Jesus to come and change that. And now we can go and become restorers of that which was broken. It's a gift. We do not earn it. We just receive it. On that day that I showed you on my schedule, I had a meeting with, I came from, it was back to back to back. Some of them were intense meetings. And, and one of the meetings in there was with a man that I really love and trust and just um, honor, a, a man, uh, Jim Russell, who's the executive pastor, one of the executive pastors at Mariners. And I sat down and had lunch with Jim, and I was tired. So I got there, I was 25 minutes late to that meeting, you can imagine. And I sat there, and he told me, so, how are you doing? And all he wanted to do was just to talk with me. And I told him, I'm not really well. I feel like I'm in a slump. I feel like something is happening. And he asked me, how can I pray for you? I said, Jim, would you pray that I, you know, for more time, or for me to be able to understand this whole thing of family, work, balance, responsibility? And Jim looks at me and he says, you know, Christian, I'm not going to help you with that one. I can't pray for you for more time. I go like, what's wrong with this guy? He's supposed to be an elder. Supposed to pray for everything that I need, you know? And he tells me, I can't pray for, I can't pray for more time because you have more time than you need. He actually said, you have the time that you need, but you need to learn how to prioritize. You've not had a time to prioritize what you only can do and what you need to be doing. You're running in and out from things. And I just thought, wow, at that particular moment when I was talking to Jim, I did not realize how significant his, his, his little spiel to me would be to this message and to even to my own life. That's, I'm in it right now, friends. This is not something that is up, out there. It's something that I am in right now. And so as I heard that, I realized, wow, 
I need it. I need to understand that I cannot create more time. I don't have that power. You see, we look at the need for rest as weakness or um, immoral or even inferior. You see, the root of our restlessness is the need for God. The root of our restlessness is our need for God. You see, when God created a perfect world, there was no contention, there was no fear, there was no anxiety. It was all perfect. But when sin came, it messed that up. And it caused a lack of satisfaction. It caused insecurity. It caused resentment. You see, we feel that we need to prove ourselves. You see, for me, I need to prove myself that I'm not that little African boy. I have grown up and I can take on responsibility. And so I take on more than I can actually even really chew. I need to prove myself. I need to prove to the people that I work with that I'm not going to let the ball drop. But in trying to prove myself, I end up damaging myself. And I, I end up even cheating my own family and my three-month-old daughter. You see, when we're driven by an ideal or an idol, you drive yourself to despair and depression. When you're driven by an ideal or an idol, you drive your spell, yourself to despair and depression. So, if rest is a gift, this morning, my friends, will you receive it? And you see, to receive this gift, you must rethink several things. First thing that you must rethink is time. You must rethink your work. And you must also rethink the whole idea of rest. You see, how do you currently view your time? You know, we live like we can make more time. That's why the need for Red Bull, the need for five-hour energy, all this is to try and create more time. But you see, when we try and create more time, we're declaring sovereignty over time. We're saying that we are the God, that God has not given me enough, so I need to create more time. And how do I create more time? Just take a shot of five-hour energy and you'll be good. But we must rethink our time. You see, the whole idea that I wish I had more time, just kind of like I was telling Jim Russell, is a very twisted notion. It's pretty twisted. It's pretty, waste. It's a pretty twisted. We are finite and temporal. And we have to live within the time that has been given. You see, when the cell phone first came out, I remember I had a cell phone and I had 30 minutes. You know, I had 30 minutes. And so what I would do is that during the day, I will turn it off. And during the night when they think they had a few more minutes, you would turn it on. So, you know, I lived like that. And that's kind of how we lived. And then all of a sudden, we started going into unlimited minutes. And right now, we used to use the phone to talk to people. Now the phone talks to us. <laughs> we used to use the phone for communication. Now the phone is telling you, you need to go here. You need to do this. Siri, where do I need to be? You know, oh, you need to do this. You see, we've moved into this time. We're trying to create unlimited time. Our view of time has to be rethought if you, if you will receive the gift of rest. The second thing you have to rethink is the whole idea of work. You see, Jesus in John chapter 5 says, the Father and I are always working. But you see, we, even though we are created for good works, if we fall into overworking, then... We're moving into idolatry. If we move 
If we get into overworking, then we're moving into idolatry. All of a sudden, we become who we are by what we do. Our work defines us. So, I become this guy who's not just running around. I identify myself as just a pastor or a guy who does work. And I forget that I'm a father. I forget that I'm a son. I forget that I'm a brother. I forget that I am all these other things. And all I have done is tied my whole life and my identity to what I do. We must rethink our work. You see, one of the things that Dan Allender says, he says, we have a chronic addiction to work. And he says that boasting about our work is a national pastime. Boasting about our work is a national pastime. And the root cause of that is pride. It has, it has mastered over us. Look at what it says in, in Psalms chapter 62, verse 1 and 2. It says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. The other thing that we must rethink is our whole idea of rest. You see, when I used to take, I usually, Monday is my day off. It's a day that I set apart. For the most part, I had some rhythms that I had created, but recently, because of more responsibility and more work, I decided to kind of just use the Mondays differently. And so what I started doing is that every Monday I'd get up and stay in bed, and then after that I'd try and sit down, watch a lot of violent movies, because that's how I relax. <laughs> and just sit down and enjoy a drink or two. And so that was my way of relaxing and resting. It's just like watch a violent movie and rest and just sit down and, and on the couch. But what Psalm 62 is saying is that truly my, find, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Friends, there is no true rest and refreshment without God. That it's a time that you, we sit and we listen to what God is saying to us. And having broken, having broken these rhythms in my own life, I found my place myself in a place of restlessness. Friends, we must rethink our idea of time. We must rethink our idea of work. We must rethink our idea of rest so that we can enter into this place and receive that gift of rest. You see, a gift has a component of you having to receive it and to take it for it to actually be truly a gift. If I give you a gift and you never open it, it's not a gift. This morning, I want you to open up yourselves and think about the gift that we have of rest. And what does that mean to you? Sabbath is a time to stop, to seize, set apart, and celebrate. Sabbath is a time that we get to declare who God is. We de get to declare that we are content in him. And you see, the way we do it is by rethinking everything. We rethink our time, we rethink our work, we rethink our idea of rest. Now, if you have a cell phone, if you have a cell phone, take it out. Just, if you have a cell phone, just take it out and hold it in your hands. Now, is anybody's cell phone right now completely off? Like, if your cell phone is completely off, one, two, wow. Okay. What I want us to do is to just turn that, turn your cell phone off. Like, just switch it off right now. Yeah, there you go, Siri. It's like, I'm asleep. 
Right now, at this particular moment, when all the cell phones are off, you know what's happening right now? Is that we're completely blocked out from the world. We are completely detached from the world. There's a lady, um, Sherry Turkle. She's a professor at, um, at MIT. And she says this. She says we can be alone together. And the whole idea is that even when you are together with people, you can always find a way to go into another place. We're never truly present. We're never truly here. We do not understand the idea of rest because while we are doing something, we can find a way to get into another place. Do you know at this particular time, nobody can get hold of you. If something happens to your child, nobody can call you. If anything happens, you're completely detached from everything else. Friends, this week, as you look at your cell phone, let it be a reminder that there's a time to actually seize and stop, that you can actually put it down, and you're not going to die. <laughs> and you can stop and be truly present and be in that moment. I have seen this. My wife and I will go home and we say, okay, it's time to rest and to relax. And we sit down on the couch and we both get on Facebook and we are relaxing. <laughs> That's our idea of rest. This week, as you engage in your activities, as you stop, would you just take some time and stop and turn this gadget off? And would you think what this represents? Because we find a way of getting, going somewhere while we're still here. We find a way of being alone yet together. At this particular moment, we can stop and be truly together. And that's what I want us to do this morning. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? All cell phones off. I want us to ask ourselves this question. What drives you? What drives you? If you identify what drives you besides God, then you will see the thing that is ruling your life. What are the things that you're scared of? What are you scared of? Because what you're scared of is what will stop you from resting. Every day we're faced with decisions to stop and to give God his rightful place in our lives. Our soul can only find rest in God. So this morning I want you to stop and even create an awkward moment where just think about what drives you. What are you afraid why is rest so hard for you with yourself or not? And see what God would speak to you.